football, but I would rather be here worshiping the Lord. And I got to say, that's going to mean something. It means that you're here saying, I want to give a worship that cost me something. All right, you guys are here. That's my point. All right, uh, two community pieces before we launch into the message, okay? Uh, Here's the first community piece. Um, Last week, we were talking about New Year's resolutions for 2014. And uh, true or false, from what you remember from last week, making New Year's resolutions is a good thing. True or false? You guys, are, you guys are there, right? Okay, so the, the, the answer is true. But if you made resolutions and you kind of failed on them, we're not just going to make the same resolutions and do the same thing and fail again. No, this time we want to renew those resolutions and get help. That was the big idea. Now, uh, last week I shared with you that I have this six-pack challenge going on with my brother, okay? And I failed. I do not have a six-pack as I'm speaking. But here's the thing. What I did is I renewed it. I renewed the bet. And this time, I'm going to get help. And this time, I have a secret weapon that I did not have last year. Can you guess what my secret weapon is? Wah, no. Wah, what? No. Should, should I get wah? I mean, that's not a bad idea. No, okay, listen, stop. My secret weapon is Raina. Even better than wah. No, 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 listen to me, listen to me. Raina is accountability. Raina is resourceful. Raina is accessible. Raina is my wife, okay? So, so this is what happens. Raina is like, okay, I'll do it with you. But we need some structure. I'm like, okay, what, what? So she got this video workout. You laugh, but every day last week, for six days in a row, Raina and I were doing this workout with the entire family. I am so motivated. I already lost two pounds. Yeah, and I'm not done. I'm still going. Okay, so this is my recommendation to you. Do 2014 with resolutions, but get more help. If you failed in those resolutions from last year, get more help this year. And let me recommend um, some help, especially for the the men. Um, Ernie's organizing this group called Eat, Pray, Read, and Run. And it's for men who want to get in shape physically and spiritually. And you don't have to be overweight to join. You just have to realize you need help. And so you can contact that man right there, okay? So he's doing it again, and he's getting help, and that's real smart. Okay, here's the second community life piece. Eight months ago, the staff team and I went to a conference. It was a leadership conference. It was really good. And one of the biggest takeaway projects that we got from this conference was making a top 10 values list uh, for the church. Now, the idea is that, you know, we always talk about vision, but values give life to vision. Uh, Values drives vision. 
So I, I made this, this piece with Marilyn's help, and, and basically we want to use this as a communication tool to let new people know who we are and what we stand for, and to let like, members remind uh, members, oh yeah, that's who we are and that's what we stand for. And so, um, so before I show you the video, I just want to apologize beforehand that you have to see me in video and in person today. So here, here goes the video. These are the top 10 values of Christian Layman Church. Value number one, passion for Jesus Christ. We endeavor to be a church that is passionate for Jesus Christ. We just can't seem to get over who He is and, and what He's done for us on the cross. And so we've taken scripture, like John 3.16, and we've combined it with Revelation 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, and because God did not hold back and gave us everything, we will not hold back either and give God all of our lives. We've heard of the lukewarm American church, and we don't want to be that kind of church. We want to be a church of the all-in. We want to be a church that is fired up for Jesus. Value number two and value three Bible teaching and sacred space for the power of God. We endeavor to be a church that faithfully teaches from God's Word and a church that also expects God's Holy Spirit to be moving with power. Now, we've heard of churches that does one but doesn't really seem to do the other. They open God's word, but there's no room for power. Or there's all sorts of room for power, but they don't really open God's word. And we believe that God's church needs to do both. That opens God's word and experiences God's power. Not just a church where they go and, and sit through a nice service and say, Hey, what's for lunch? But a church where God's word is opened and God's power is released. Values 4 and 5, discipleship and intergenerational. We endeavor to be a church that mentors the next generation. We want to live a vibrant faith, but then we don't want that faith just to die with us. We want to pass it on to the next generation. And so we encourage the different generations to mix seniors and empty nesters, uh, investing in families, families in singles, singles in students, students in kids, and, and any sort of combination you can imagine. We have a church where there's four different generations that are represented. Let's make the most of that opportunity. Values six and seven, relationships and team. You know, we're not just a church. We're a spiritual family. And so we endeavor to be the kind of family that really enjoys being together. And if you know our folks, we really like to eat together. And so we're learning to become like family. So embracing the new person as family, embracing the person that's been here for 10 years, and I don't even know their name, but I'm learning to embrace them as family. We're the kind of church 
where we have our kids call other adults uncle and auntie. And you know something? We wouldn't have it any other way. Values 8 and 9, generosity and kingdom mission. We believe in generosity, but not just generosity, but radical generosity. We're convinced that our lives are so short. We're just a, a vapor or a mist, and then the next moment we're gone. But during this short time, we have an incredible opportunity to, to employ our resources and invest them in things that will last forever. So we want to be strategic, and we want to be smart, and we want to put our money to use for the kingdom of God, which will last forever. And so we want that money to be used to transform lives, to give thirsty people clean and living water. We are a church that believes in strategic partnerships because no one church can com complete the kingdom mission alone. So we form these strategic alliances with other churches and other parachurches, and we try to work with them in a complementary way because no church can do it by themselves. And lastly, we value relevancy. We endeavor to be a relevant church, so we will gladly slay the sacred cow of tradition if, if that means that we can be more relevant to more people with God's amazing news of hope. This is where our church is going. Join us for this incredible journey ahead. God bless you. There it is. There you have it. That's where we're going. This will be, not be the last time you'll see that video because we want to remind ourselves this is who we are. This is where we're going. This is what we stand for. Okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take your wallet or your purse and I want you guys to all get a dollar bill out. It, you get the, the lowest uh, kind of bill that you have in your wallet. Just take it out, okay? And when you've taken it out, you can just go ahead and, and show me the dollar bill. Show me the money. Show me the money right here. Okay? Now, this is what I want you to do. Thank you guys for doing that. Thank you. <clears throat> you can do a quarter. Quarters works. That, that's all good. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to just hold the dollar bill, and I want you to take a good, long-searching look at this green paper, and I want you to think about what this green paper means to you. What does this mean to you? Mom and dad probably taught you that this means something. You've probably been living in a certain way where this means something. And I want you to come up with one or two words that describes what this green paper means to you. What does it mean to you? Believe it or not, it means something very different. It's the same green paper, but it means something very different to different people. Okay? Now, what I want you to do is to turn to someone next to you. And you can show them the green paper and just one or two words that describes what this green paper means to you. Okay, go. I'll give you 30 seconds to do that. One or two words to describe what the green paper means to you. Go. Okay, one or two words for what money means to you. Brave souls. Anyone in the room? Shout it out. 
Comfort. Great. Comfort. More. Convenience. Okay. More words that begin with C. I'm just kidding. Choices. Okay. All right. Okay, choices. Okay, now we have a little, like, you know, word challenge. Okay. What else? What else? I'm sorry, funding? Funding. Funding. Okay, funding. Comfort, convenience, choice, and funding. How about one more? Security and food. <laughs> or, like, comfort food. Okay, security and food. Okay, now, now listen to this. Right here, we're getting all kinds of, of different words. We got food, security, funding, convenience, choice, comfort. Did you know that I did this very same exercise with a small group of leaders? And you will not believe the diversity that came out when I did this exercise. Okay? Small group of leaders, and people said words like freedom, burden, security, dangerous, happiness, and confusion. I'm like, hold it, are we all looking at the same thing? Such diversity of thought, but the same thing that we're looking at. Um, freedom and burden, okay? Not just different, but sometimes polar opposite. Security and danger. Happiness and confusion. Same thing that we're looking at here. Okay, now the passage that we're going to go in today, it's almost like Jesus Christ takes out a dollar bill or a, denar- a denarius or something, and he says, okay, class, what is this? And people go, security, or someone said comfort, and Jesus goes, no, that's not it. Others say, freedom, convenience, and Jesus is like, no, that's not it. So another person says, it's, it's food and happiness, and Jesus goes, no. And then Jesus is like, he takes his dollar bill, and he says, you know what this really is? opportunity. Lauren got it right. (laughs) This is opportunity. Okay? And the main point that I believe Christ is making is that this green paper, when shrewdly and wisely and opportunistically used, can make friends and invest in treasures that will last forever. Okay? Turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Now, while you guys are doing that, what I want to do with you all now is to talk about what we're doing today, how that fits in with where we've been and where we're going. What, what I'm doing right now is I'm actually sharing our, our money story, our church's money story. Now, some of you, you've already heard that story. Great. You can hear the way that I tell the story, and maybe that'll give you some ideas for how you can tell the story to other people. Some of you have never heard the story before. You're going to like this story. This is our money story, okay? And I guess our recent money story started about three years ago. So just imagine uh, the church, the leaders of our church, looking at all the money that we've saved. And we're like, hey guys, what does this money mean to our church? Kind of like the same exercise we just had. You know, and it's like, okay, does it mean security? And just imagine us going, well, you know, the Bible teaches that this is opportunity. You know, to to make friends and to make an eternal difference. So what if we saw this money more as opportunity? And so we took this money, which was already tithed for missions, and we carved out a chunk 
and we called it the Kingdom Fund. And then we built a team called a Kingdom Fund team. And we said, every year, we're going to give away $50,000. So every year, we are going to pick four kingdom organizations. We're going to give them 10 grand each. And then the last 10K, we're going to use for individual matching in the church. So if you guys feel compelled to give generously, we'll match it dollar for dollar. Okay, that was year number one. Those of you who have been with the church for a while, you remember that was year number one. Then year number two rolled around. So year number two, again, it was four organizations, 10 grand to match. But this time we mobilized home groups so they would spur each other on and they could give generously together. So each home group kind of picked an organization, a kingdom cause, and they, they, they spurred each other on and they gave generously. Now, the crazy thing that happened is right away there was one home group that broke the bank. So the, the first home group to actually make a pledge pledged over 10 ground and, and they broke the bank. The, the bank. And so we're thinking this is a really good problem to have. And so what we did is I, we met with the board and said, we, we, we have a problem. One home group just already matched up all the 10K. What should we do? You know what the, 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 the board said? The board said, if our church is going to be that generous, we will match their generosity. Let's quadruple the matching fund. So then the church said, okay, now instead of 10K matched, well, 40K matched. Guess what? By the end of 2013, all 40K was matched. Now, um... This is really cool. This is very cool. God is doing something pretty cool in our church. And, and I, I get this feeling like, you know, we were created for this because there was this incredible world mission. And did you know that every church and every person gets to play some kind of role? And I feel like we are embracing our calling to be senders, to be supporters, to be cheerleaders of missionaries and mercy ministers. So let me just take a few moments as one of the pastors of our church and say, you guys, great job. God's doing something. And we're not done yet. Let's keep on going. Let's keep on going. So now we're into year number three. And uh, this has been our philosophy. Every year, we don't want to just do the same thing we did last year. We want to build on the foundation that was laid in previous years. So here comes year number three. What's the next step? Here's the next step. Our series, which starts today, is called More Than Money. Let me hear you guys say, more than money. And the basic idea is we want to give more than just our money. We want to take a step further. What's a step further? Our hearts, our friendship with, with missionaries and mercy ministers, our prayers, encouraging notes. We want to send them gift packages. We want to tie our heartstrings to the welfare and the flourishing of their ministry. We want to care. We want to serve. We want to take a step deeper. So I just finished up a four-part study for home groups, and home groups are encouraged to come up with like a group project where they can serve together or come up creatively with some way to invest in a missionary or a mercy minister. And instead of just 10K, we've increased it to 20K this year, and we want groups to think out of the box. How can you use that money creatively to do something more than just give money? Friendship. Mutual care and investment. Take a missionary out to dinner. Have the group come up with, you know, a very thoughtful care package or a gift that the missionary can use in their ministry. So we're all going to take another step forward. 
And this step is money, but it's more than money. It's our hearts, our service, our care. So that brings us to Luke chapter 16. Okay, open your Bibles. Let's go into Luke chapter 16. He also said to the disciples, he being Jesus, there was a rich man who had a manager. And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called them and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do. So that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Can I, can I ask you guys, by show of hands, how many of you honestly find this parable a little bit disturbing? Raise your hands. Oh, it's, it's a little bit disturbing, right? That I, I can't believe that Jesus would use a story like this. I want you to think about this. Okay, in this story, Jesus is using the example of this guy, this manager, who ripped off his boss. He ripped him off. And we're supposed to learn something from this guy, right? And so here's this guy, no scruples, no integrity. This guy is a cheat. And Jesus like, using this guy and what he did as something that we're supposed to learn from. So what's going on here? Now, I want you guys to notice something, okay? The the master commended the dishonest manager not for his honesty, okay? Uh, Not for his integrity, not for his sense of ethics and fine morality. That's not what he gets commended for. What does he get commended for? For his shrewdness. I, I imagine, okay, when I imagine, you know, the, 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 what the, the master would say, I imagine him saying, when he finds out what happened, that rotten, blink, 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 blink. But you know, I got to give him this. The guy is shrewd. Now, that's, that's, that's how I imagine the master actually would have commended him and said it, you know? Because sometime in a game of wits, when your opponent beats you, sometimes the move they make is so brilliant that you just step back and you have to, have to admire it, you know? And, and, uh, and here's the master going, that guy is terrible. He ripped me off. But I gotta give him this. Guy's shrewd. Now, that's how I imagine he said it. How many of you guys in this room would describe yourselves as shrewd? Raise your hands. Okay, okay, no one's, no one's confessing. Let me put it this way. I, I don't want you to mouth. How many of you either married a person or related by blood to a person who is shrewd? Now can I get a raise of hands? Okay, more people raising their hands here, okay? Now, 
I know there's a difference between good fruit, like you recycle. And then there's bad fruit, like there's nothing you wouldn't do to save a buck. You know that there's a different kinds of shrewd, but let me give you the Webster definition of shrewd, okay? This is how the Merriam-Webster Dictionary Online defines shrewd, very insightful. Having or showing an ability to understand things and make good judgments. I'll say it again. Having or showing an ability to understand things and make good judgments. Now, listen to me. I know we have a lot of really shrewd people in this church. And I'll give you an example. I went to a party recently. And uh, somehow I got in this conversation with a small group of people as to who is the shrewdest person in the room. You know, who is the shrewdest person in the room when it comes to saving money? And so one person, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be, in, I'm not going to name names. I'm going to embarrass. It, 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 this really did happen though, okay? Uh, so I'm not going to name names. And so this one person said, I, I, I bought a TV from Costco. And then the next month I went back to Costco and I found out that same TV was now $100 cheaper. So I went up to the manager and I said, hey, listen, I just bought this TV. And now it's $100 cheaper. Can you do something for me? The manager thought about it and said, you know, we don't have a, really a policy for this, but because you're the only person asking, I'll give you 100 bucks." We're like, wow, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty shrewd, okay? And then another guy goes, you know something? I think I can top that. Now, listen to this story, okay? He goes, I was in China, and I bought this North Face jacket for pennies. But the thing is, it was really oversized, but I bought it anyways. And then I went back to the States, went to the North Face um, uh, 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 outlet. And I said to the, to, the, to, the, to the cashier, I said, I bought this North Face jacket. It doesn't fit me. Can I get a smaller one? Now, the guy actually, uh, you know, registered the, you know, the, the barcodes, whatever you call it, and everything checked out, and they gave the guy a smaller jacket, and he walked out of there saving so much money with this North Face jacket. Okay, I'm not done, okay? I'm not done. Okay, now listen to this. Listen to this. The story goes on. The very next day, I meet this one of these guys in a different context, and, he's, and I'm sharing with, with the group that my family and I want to buy a bread maker. We want to buy a bread maker. We want, don't know how much it costs. This guy goes, you know what you should do? Go on Facebook and, and just put out a post that says, you're looking for a bread maker and you're wondering how much it will cost. This guy, this guy, he goes, and then I bet you all these people who bought bread makers and didn't use them will offer you their bread maker. Okay, now, <laughs> now, did I do that? No, I did not do that. I instead thought it would just be okay to drop it in the message. But um, <laughs> is the North Face exchange dishonest? Oh, yeah, thank you. Okay, is the bread maker endeavor manipulative? Okay, should we do these things as Christians? It's very easy. No, okay, we should not. We're, we're salt and light. We need to be models of righteousness. But you imagine Jesus going, you know something? You know something? You got to give these people an ounce of credit. They're shrewd, okay? 
Now that's, that's what Jesus is doing here. You gotta admire the shrewdness of these people who have the ability to make something out of nothing. Or who take something very small and make something big out of the very small. They have this understanding, you know, the shrewdness. And so in the, in the context of this parable, it's this dishonest manager. He handles all the books for his master. He cuts all these bills. He gives these people this enormous discount um, to his master's clients. He wins their friendship and loyalty. So after he gets fired, the clients owe him business. People who trade the small in value to get the big in value. Verse 8. For the sons of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. I imagine Jesus here saying, I love the integrity and the honesty of my people, but sometimes I wish they were just more street smart and more aggressive and more strategic in the way that they thought. I imagine Jesus looking at some of the stuff that we do to save money. And instead of Jesus going, you guys are a bunch of dishonest punks. Imagine Jesus going, man, that would be so cool if you could just use that shrewdness and thinking and planning for the things that really matter. Like the things that will last for eternity. Man, that was so shrewd how you took that jacket and then you came back. You didn't really lie, but you did and you got something out of it. If you could just apply that to the things that really matter. That would be so cool. Get ready for the next verse. The next verse, I think, is is the punch. A lot of scholars believe that most of the parables are a one-point punch. And if that's the case, I'm convinced this next verse is the point punch. So here's what Jesus is trying to say with the whole parable. comes down to this. Verse 9, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Let me point out, if this is the punch, okay? When it fails, Jesus is saying, the money you got, it's going to fail you. But not only does he say that, but he also calls it unrighteous, okay? People, for the love of this green paper, have poisoned their souls. Then now here's the trade-off. Here's the shrewdness. If you're shrewd and you have good judgment, you will see this green paper as incredible opportunity because you can trade this stuff for friends and you can use this stuff to build something that will last for eternity. Jim Elliot said this, well-known quote, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Verse 10, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. The one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give to you that which is your own? Now, now, I want you to examine the structure of this paragraph. Jesus gives one positive and then three negatives. The first argument is that if you can be faithful with little, then you can be faithful with much. Now, Can I have every high school student raise their hand? 
How much do your parents pay you in allowance? Okay, you don't have to say that out loud. But it, who thinks that it's a lot of money? How much do they pay you, Jason? Okay, maybe Jason, but everyone else is like, you know, I don't make that much money. And there's probably something in you that goes, you know something? When I make the big bucks, then I'm going to be faithful with my money. But according to Jesus, if you're not faithful with the little stuff, it's a good indicator you're not going to be faithful when you get, when you make the big bucks. Some of you, okay, now I'm going to stop picking on the high schools. And some of you are like, you know, I haven't really blossomed my career or I'm just working part time. So when I do blossom my career, then I'm going to really be faithful with my money. Well, here's, here's the deal. Jesus goes, look, if you're not faithful with the little when you haven't blossomed, ah, you're not going to be faithful with a lot. If you're faithful now with the little, it's a good indicator that you're going to be faithful with the much. But he goes on, and he goes on with three more negatives. He goes, he goes positive, if you're faithful with the little, you'll be faithful with the much. But if you're not faithful with the little, you won't be faithful with much. And then there's two more negatives, but look at how they contrast. If you're not faithful with unrighteous wealth, who's going to trust you with true riches? If you're not faithful with that which is another's, who's going to trust you with that which is your own? Now, how does this all make sense? What is it? This, this paragraph doesn't make sense unless you look at it through the lens of eternity in heaven. Right now, this money is small. You're like, no, no, no. You don't understand, Pastor Andrew. I got a lot of it. No, it's small. Compared to what, what God wants to give you, it's small. Okay, get that. Now you're like, okay, here's this green paper. Jesus is like, this is unrighteous. Do you understand that the love of this green paper has brought so many people to ruin? Do you understand that? In this life, that's what this green paper does. But in the next life, I'm going to give you true riches. Nothing dishonest about it. Nothing impure about it. It's going to be pure, true. And the last point he makes is like, this stuff, it's not even your own. It's borrowed. Now, how can I prove that? Once you die, you can't take any of it with you. That's how I can prove it. It doesn't belong to you. But in the next life, it's going to be yours forever. See that? Well, let's keep on moving. Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. He either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Now, now we come to the last issue. Now we come to the very heart of the matter. It's really about who your master is. In fact, since this very last verse, it's almost like Jesus is saying, okay, the whole parable, the whole teaching of the parable has been leading to this ultimate question, which is this. Who is your master? That's the bottom line. Who is your master? Now, it kind of seems from this parable, and this is a little bit why it's also a little bit disturbing, it kind of seems that Jesus is suggesting that you can buy your way into heaven. Doesn't it? Kind of suggesting that. Okay, now I can say from the whole council of Scripture and from the teaching of Jesus himself, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is ultimately, it's a matter of who your master and your, sir, and your savior is. Now listen to this. If God is your master and your savior, then he will take care of you in this life. He will certainly take care of you in the next life. And he will make a provision for your sin. 
You know, he did, right? If Jesus is your master, he will take care of you. And he'll also take care of the stuff that will keep you from heaven like your sin. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. If Jesus is your master and your savior, he's got you all covered. This life, the next life, and a provision for your sin. But if money is your master, I don't know. I mean, who, who knows if he'll really take care of you in this life? It certainly won't take care of you in the next life, and it certainly won't make a provision for your sin. So it's like Jesus saying, choose. Ultimately, who's your master? Who's going to provide for you? Who's going to take care of your sin? Who is your master? Now, if Jesus is your master, then what is this green paper? It is what? Class. Opportunity. It's opportunity. He's going to take care of me. So he's giving me all these opportunities to make friends and invest in something that will last for eternity. Now, some of you are like, you got, uh, Pastor Andrew, can you be more concrete? Like, what is this heavenly treasure that we're going to get? I don't know. Jesus didn't, he wasn't concrete. I know this. I know that it's going to be a lot more than this. I know it's going to be true where this is like very unrighteous. And I know that it's going to be truly yours instead of just something that's borrowed. I know that's not enough for some of you. It's enough. It should be enough for us. And I do know this. It has a lot to do with making friends. Making friends. The love, the care, the empathy that we invest when we exchange this money. Now, this is what I'm doing. Uh, for, for the, I'm sorry. For the next 40 days, I want you guys to think about how your life would be different, how you might use this differently if you saw this differently. What would it, what would it look like if you saw this green paper as opportunity? That, that's, the, that's the question. For the next 40 days, how would life be different How would you spend differently? How would you live differently if you saw this green paper as opportunity? Now, um, I, you know, what I try to do is when you have a a teaching like this that's so rich, I want to kind of bring it down and give you a real life example of what it looks like to see this paper as opportunity and to start using it to invest in eternity and make friends. And so I did find a video that kind of really showcases what it looks like. <clears throat> I'm not suggesting that everyone has to uh, follow the same path, but in principle, I think this video really nails it. So it's like six minutes long. Just take a look, and I think you'll know what I'm, what I'm talking about. This is a tale of two women. Wasini, a widowed mother of six in a rural village of Ethiopia. And in a small mining town in Nevada, Donna Galley, a married mother of five grown children. Two women, worlds apart, who dramatically changed each other's world. Their story just might change yours. It all started with a desperate prayer. Wasini was hungry, distraught, and soaking wet. The tiny hut that housed her family was almost worthless when the rains came. Wasini felt unable to provide adequate shelter or food for her children. On her knees in her mud-filled home, 
she prayed for God to end her life. But God had other plans. At about that time, Donna Galley attended a women's conference and learned about child sponsorship through World Vision. She heard how her monthly gift could provide a child somewhere in the world with clean water, nutritious food, health care, education, and spiritual nurture. She learned of the tremendous need. And I thought, you know, I can't do a lot, but I can, do, I can probably do this. At the World Vision table, Donna found the picture of a little girl with eyes that made her own fill with tears. There was just absolutely no hope in this little girl's eyes. Sorry. Um, well, there just, there's like no hope. The little girl she sponsored that day was Sinite, Wasini's oldest daughter. Donna wrote her a letter and soon got a response. You're blessed with your family. My family was about to be scattered when you started sponsoring us. With the help of translators, the letters flew back and forth. Donna learned more about how difficult things were for Sinite and her family. She wanted to do even more. So I call World Vision to find out if any of her sisters or brothers had a sponsor. Donna and her husband decided to sponsor Sinite's younger sister and later the baby of the family a little boy named Tamaru. In addition to writing to the three sponsored children and their siblings, Donnie began to correspond with Wasini. She mentored her, encouraged her, reminded her she was doing the best she could for her children. We know you're concerned about our life. As you know, life is here. Two women connected over the miles. For each of them, the letters and pictures were treasured. The relationship deepened and grew more precious with each passing year. I decided to make an emotional connection. And I thought, okay, you know, I may never see them, but uh, they see the same moon I see. They see the same sun I see. They worship the same Lord that I worship. You know, so we are connected. When one of the children wrote that Wasini planned to sell some of their land to buy food, Donna called World Vision to ask if there was a way she could provide a milk cow to help the family. Then they called me back and said, oh yes, they could really use a cow. And I said, okay, let's, let's buy a cow. Over time, Donna and her husband purchased more animals to help the family. The galleys even had this safe and sturdy home built for Wasini and her children. No longer would they live in the tiny, leaky hut. Donna has done so much for Wasini and her family, yet she feels she's the one who's been blessed. They've enabled me to be a missionary in my own home without ever leaving it. And coming from two opposite places, and yet we've touched. When Donna was given the rare opportunity to travel to Ethiopia and meet her World Vision family, she couldn't pass it up. Over the years, just fallen in love with this family. After nearly eight years of loving a family through letters and prayer. Oh, I can't wait to hug them, put my arms around them. Donna and her husband, Jeff, find themselves in Wasini's world. <laughs> and finally, in her arms. You're beautiful. <laughs> oh.
all the pictures sent through the mail come to life. From Cameroon, The little girl Donna first sponsored is tall and healthy now. It's beautiful. <laughs> with a smile that competes with the Ethiopian sun, her life has drastically changed. Wasini oh. proudly shows Donna and Jeff the home they made possible. Oh, the grave. Shows them all their faithful support has provided. And you all slept in here? And then Wasini takes Donna to the old hut with the holes in the roof, where she once prayed to end her life. This tale of two women, two moms, comes full circle. She's a wonderful mother. <laughs> to think it all started far away from this hut with one woman in an audience of thousands. One woman who decided to make a difference for one little girl with no hope in her eyes. What a difference that decision made for that girl. What a difference for two families who will never be the same. Imagine what a difference you could make when you choose to sponsor a child. <clears throat> so here's the idea. For the next 40 days, we're going to look at money differently. <clears throat> I'm asking you guys, if we look at this green paper differently as opportunity, how are we going to live differently? How are we going to spend differently? We're going to look at it differently. For the next 40 days, I tell you, make friends for yourselves <clears throat> by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Let me also just say this. It's very practical and logistical. Um, I think sponsoring a child is a great way to actually see this happen. I think what that lady did, I mean, the scripture just comes alive. Like, that's what it looks like to use this stuff to make friends, you know? You saw that, and you saw the eternal ramifications, right? This is where we're going towards, but I'm not necessarily saying, hey, everyone, we're going to make a trip to Africa, although we actually are going to go to Nicaragua and visit the orphanage with Arms of Love that we actually donated to last year. We are going to do stuff like that. But you guys, as a home group, come up with something. Surprise us. Surprise me. How are you going to use this money to do something more than money? To build friendships. To make an everlasting difference. To really care about the missionary and their purpose. Surprise us. Do something creative. Use that unrighteous mammon for something that will last for eternity. Now, this is the logistical note. Um, if you actually are, wow, I, I love what this, this, this program with World Vision, I would actually recommend um, Compassion International. I think it's, I just think it's better. It's smaller. They work through the local church. They, they personalize it more. I mean, World Vision is good too. Compassion International is, I would put my personal plug for that. But this is it. We're heading into the next 40 days. We're going to say, Lord, how can I use this money to make a difference? And how can I use it to be so much more than money? I'm going to invite the, the, the worship team to come up, and we're going to pray. Why don't you pray with me? Lord, I think it comes down to this question. Who is your master? Because if God is our master, then money is opportunity. If God's going to take care of us, then we can use this money to invest in eternity. 
And right now, Lord, we just want to affirm that you are our master. And we want to sing this song where we just declare our one desire. And I pray that in places where you're not fully given the center of our lives and that kind of trust, I pray that right now you would correct us, you would speak to us, you'd help us just to come to you with open hearts, fully trusting you. We give you our hearts, Lord. And we affirm that you are our one desire. You are our master.